Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's episode is about healing the body through intuitive energy medicine and cultivating abundance. On this episode, we'll be featuring our guest, Dr. Francesca McCartney. Dr. Francesca McCartney holds a PhD in energy medicine and intuition medicine. Since 1976, Dr. McCartney has worked in the holistic health field as a medical intuitive in an integrative medicine clinic, spiritual counselor, educator, and author. In 1984, Francesca founded the Academy of Intuition Medicine, which I've attended, and this program offers vocational career training for medical intuitives in the art and science of intuition medicine. And in 2006, she founded Energy Medicine University, offering certificates in integrative holistic health. I could not be more excited to welcome our next guest, Dr. Francesca McCartney, who I have gotten to know over the last few years as a graduate of the Academy of Intuition Medicine, which really changed my life. Uh, So welcome to the show, Dr. Actually, I'll call you Francesca or Dr. McCartney, whichever you prefer. (laughs) Well, greetings, Yasmin. You know you can call me Francesca. Okay. (laughs) I am looking forward to our conversation. Likewise, likewise. I've learned so much from your program, and I'm so excited for our audience to at least get a glimpse of what what the program is about and also what energy medicine is about. And so maybe we could just kick it off and talk about what exactly is energy medicine in your words. The word energy medicine or the term energy medicine is an umbrella term for many different holistic health methodologies, such as homeopathy, acupuncture, acupressure, um, radionics, um, botanical healing, different types of body work, and intuition medicine, which is the uh, trademark methodology that that I teach. So energy medicine is really um, a multi-level umbrella for subtle energy systems, and all kinds of alternative, holistic, and complementary uh, medicine methodologies. And Francesca, can you tell us how you started the Academy of Intuition Medicine and maybe why you started the Academy of Intuition Medicine? I'm a big believer on a physician should heal herself and get to know herself before she becomes a physician, a teacher. And in my 20s, I started out studying with many different teachers. I had a spiritual awakening when I was 21. Uh, and in uh, East, East Indian literature, it's called a Kundalini arising, Kundalini awakening. I had never heard of that term before, nor was familiar with any kind of um, Eastern medicine or Eastern philosophies. And I was struck by how transformed and opened to positivity that I felt from that one experience. And being a researcher at heart, I started to look into training and studying with people who were using homeopathy, pressure and acupuncture, uh, different kinds of meditation practices, understanding the spirituality and ancient traditions of healing, and, and so on. And I studied with different teachers for about 10 years, and 
the pivotal point for me personally as a practitioner was when I was introducing a medical doctor who was also a Ayurvedic doctor and a Zazen Buddhist priest who asked me if I would come into his medical clinic and I would work with his patients who had high blood pressure and other illnesses that he sensed could be treated with meditation rather than medications. So I started working with his patients, teaching them meditation. I started to blend in the chakra system. I started to blend in a little more subtle energy work. Uh, at that point in my training, I was also operating as a medical intuitive, which means I could clairvoyantly scan a person's physical body and energetic systems, and I could determine where illnesses were pending. So I began to do that as well under his tutelage in his medical clinic. Uh, it was called the Academy of Eastern Medicine. I did that for about seven years. And then in 1984, I resigned from the medical clinic and I founded the Academy of Intuition Medicine, where I started a program of teaching other people how to use their intuition for self-diagnosis and for self-healing. And the Academy of Intuition Medicine has continued on since 1984. We are in our 36th year of graduating students from our two-year program, which you graduated from. And we have also incorporated our campus class curriculum into a fully distance online school where students can receive the same training and teaching and curriculum globally. Thank you, Francesca. And I think that, yeah, the academy is so important. And I think the graduates from the academy, a lot of us are actually very much still in touch. And we have seen very significant changes in our life. And I think people have been attracted to the academy for a variety of reasons. Maybe they have a chronic illness or there's an emotional ailment that they haven't been able to recover from. And then some people are just sort of curious. Um, and so, you know, I was really a, a beginner when I came into the academy, when it came to the world of intuition medicine and just intuition in general. I think in modern society today, we're taught not to trust our intuition and to you know, kind of just use our rational and logical mind. And so I was, I had a really difficult time meditating. You know, I, I, I understood logically how to meditate, but I could never actually get into a, what you, what you often call a no think zone. Um, and so I am curious if you can share your philosophy on whether people can cultivate the ability to heal themselves, um, or whether some people are maybe more intuitive than others. And I know that there's, you know, um, gifts beyond the five senses, which you've also taught us. So maybe you could briefly share that as well. Well, I, I believe that innately everyone has the potential for operating beyond the five common senses and using the more subtle senses of which there are 21 plus other senses uh, beyond the five common senses. And we got stuck with that five common sense uh, from Aristotle. So that's kind of been uh, reigning in the human consciousness for quite a long time. And in our Western society, most universities, colleges, schools, ideologies, 
are uh, focused on academic and intellectual rather than inspirational and intuitive. And that's that's a core focus of my work and my teaching is to train people, to give them an experience, to have them discover for themselves that being human is more than the five common senses. And intuition is a primary portal for opening up all those other subtle senses and integrating them with how you feel, how you think, how you operate, and how you can take care of yourself, how you can move into a uh, self-diagnostic state to know when you're feeling off, what you can do using your own innate pharmacopoeia of medicines to heal yourself, to feel better, to bring in a state of uh, well-being. And Francesca, maybe you could tell our audience a couple other senses beyond the five senses. What are some dominant um, senses that you have seen in your practice? Clairvoyance, which means looking at a person and getting uh, a, vis- a visual sense or a visual scene of energy around their body, through their body, in the um Ancient Egyptian technology system, it's looking at the chakra system, looking at the auric field that surrounds the body, and uh, detecting by that virtue of clairvoyance if the pattern of energy is a healthy vibration or an unhealthy vibration. So that's clairvoyance. Then there's also telepathy, which I've ex- I've experienced. I've seen many, many of my students say, oh, yeah, I've had telepathic conversation with my friends. The phone rings and your friend at the other end is saying, it's me, your best friend, pick the phone up. I know you never pick the phone up and you pick it up and it's your best friend. So that's telepathy, mental thought transmitted without any verbalization. Then there's clairsentience. And a lot of the students who I train come in with the clairsentient sense operating as a detriment to who they are. Uh, The term clairsentience means clear feelings, and it's the sensibility for a person's body to pick up the feelings of another person, sort of like emotional radar, and then to run the other person's emotions through your nervous system so that your body is replicating and feeling what the other person is feeling. Now you can guess there's a unhealthy side to that. If you're with, if you're with a friend and that friend is depressed and angry and you're happy and cheerful and all of a sudden you feel depressed and angry, well that lowers your vitality, it lowers your immune system and if you allow that clairsentience, which I often call emotional radar, if you allow that emotional radar to continue in all your relationships, that is a cause of illness for you as a clairsentient person. So uh, in our school, we teach our students how to manage these subtle energies if they veer off into a uh, unhealthy state or an overwhelmed state. Um, There's also psychometry, and that is to um, put an object in your hand or put your hand on a person's body and you can detect information or a health and wellness pattern in a person's body. Many people who are body workers, massage therapists, um, rolfers, people who put their hands 
even medical doctors who put their hands on their patient's body are usually highly open in, in psychometry where they can put their hand on their client or their patient and they immediately get a knowing sense. Here's another one, a knowing sense. Oh, this patient has a, a sore shoulder or this patient uh, is, is uh, right now having a headache. And that's a transmission of the energy field from another person into the knowing sense of uh, the doctor or the practitioner. So knowing is another sense, and that's just knowing something without thinking about it, without analyzing it. It just comes to you in a complete form of, oh, I know this. So those are some of, some of the senses. There's a lot more, as you very well know. Thank you, Francesca. Yeah, and I think um, the clear sentience for me, uh, you know, as an example, I could not really understand what to do with the knowledge of other people's emotions in my own space. And so one of the most powerful things that I learned at the Academy of Intuition Medicine was how to create energetic boundaries. Um, and so, so oftentimes we're carrying what we call other people's energy, OPE, in our in our system. And so I just thought, you know, that practice of creating our energetic space and having energetic integrity was so game changing for me. Um, I went from someone who, you know, had a job and maybe one hobby to literally executing on three or four careers at the same time. So it's really powerful when you're able to harness your own energy and not give it away and also not be kind of um, bogged down with other people's energy. I mean, the sky is sort of the limit. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for that. It was really powerful for me. Yeah. Yasmin, can, can you talk about how you discovered that your clairsentient perception was operating as a cause of illness for you? What, how, how did you, how did you understand that? How did you feel and how did you work around that so that it could be an empowering rather than an illness uh, yeah. inducing yeah, skill. So, yeah, absolutely. So when I was um, in my 20s, I think that I oftentimes, I knew that I was, I call, I thought I was just an empath, you know, very empathetic. I think that's the only, you know, maybe modern terminology we have for someone who's a highly sensitive. Um, but I, I had, it was more than that. I really could feel the way people were feeling, you know, whatever was going on for them, it was going on for me. Um, and I also, you know, I'm a, I'm a compassionate person. And so part of me felt like I always wanted to help people when they were suffering. Um, and it really caused a lot of problems in my life because I was constantly taking on other people's problems and issues in my own life. And so I just felt that I was always exhausted. You know, I was always very tired. Um, I felt like I, you know, had a lot of energy and then would meet up with a group of friends. And then I couldn't manage my energy. Let's put it that way. It would, you know, go from very high to very low. Um, and I just didn't know why. And so it was just remarkable for me to be able to manage my energy and also not let that in, not let other people's emotional space into my field. So I could actually just be in integrity with myself. So oftentimes now I, I have energetic boundaries when I, when I talk to people or when I 
communicate with people. And it's really, it makes a huge difference because I, I, it would take me sometimes weeks to recover from like a big, let's say party or a big event, or maybe I had to give a presentation and I would just feel like depleted where now I can recover almost in real time. You know, I like, I can just immediately bring all my energy back, disassociate from other people's energy and be in my own space and and not take it in really. And so, yeah, it's just been remarkable for me, for anyone I think who's sensitive and didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And I, I never really get sick anymore too. <laughs> Um, so I know that's, that's always a benefit <laughs> that so many, uh, graduate students, uh, of the Academy tell me. So you listed some very important points, uh, which I'd like to discuss a little further for your audience Yes, that in, uh, an empathic person, which we call a clairsentient person, some of the symptoms that you're operating in a clairsentient state to the detriment of your health is if you find yourself exhausted a lot, especially around people, or you go into a lethargic state, a, a downward mood shift, and you have no idea why you can't connect it to anything personally that you're doing in your life, or if you have lingering depression and you have a realization that, hey, I don't think this is really my depression, or if you have a loss of identity, you, you don't feel that you know who you are. Now, the loss of identity has a lot to do with, as you bring in the topic up of boundaries. And boundaries is a powerful, and I like to call it a magical tool that allows you to be compassionate and not be empathetic. And there's a very distinct difference between empathy and compassion. And compassion is observing and holding sacred space witness space for another person without feeling like you have to become that person or be attached to that person or create a codependence in order to be liked, loved, be a good friend, be a, a daughter, uh, a mother, or, or whatever. I think those types of relationships lead a lot of highly sensitive people into illness states that they don't understand and they don't know how they got ill because there is no organic diagnosis that can be found for why they're feeling exhausted, uh, lethargy, depression, or have lost a sense of identity. And we often get referrals from medical doctors who have patients that they cannot do anything more for, and they can't do any tests that will tell them, this is what's at the cause of your patient's illness, so in exasperation, we get often students referred to our academy by these doctors, and we have trained a lot of doctors in a lot of fields who know that uh, energy medicine and intuition medicine is the, the frontier of the new future of medicine. And they refer their, their students so that, their patients, so that they become students and find out for themselves why they are ill and that it's not organic, it's energetic. Or it's, or it's spiritual. Mm, yes. And Francesca, maybe you could also tell us a little bit about the difference between the spiritual, the energetic, and the physical body. Because I think in the West, we oftentimes just look at a person as a physical body. You know, there's something wrong with them. Let's give them a prescription or like there's something wrong with them. And I think, you know, Western medicine is fantastic. Obviously, there's 
been so much great innovation, but I think that it feels isolating uh, to the other uh, systems of the body. So, um, and I think what's interesting too, is that I was very much a skeptic of even the spiritual world before this work. And it's interesting how much there is still, I think, to kind of dive into when you when you open up the space for believing that there's something more to just our physical experience and that there, that we, we are spirits in a, in a body. Um, so yeah, so I'm curious if you could talk about that. I use the word spiritual and energetic uh, to mean the same thing. To me, the subtle body or the energetic body is akin to the, the spiritual body of energy and information. And in our training methodology, we are reinventing ancient medicines and, and bringing those ancient medicines into a Western technology curriculum so that anybody can rediscover that innately they have the, the human skill and ability of perception to be able to be their own best physician, doctor, healer. And much of Chinese medicine and Persian medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, three of the oldest medicines in the world, all refer to the subtle energy systems within the physical body. And they separate physical anatomy and energetic or subtle anatomy. And the subtle anatomy or the energy anatomy systems are as detailed and informative and intrinsic within the physical body as understanding and bringing into immediate knowledge how to diagnose and how to heal a person. And I, I just simply think that energy medicine in all its forms is the future of medicine. And it's it's interesting because it's not future medicine is really ancient medicine that's being reinvented and reinvented in a way that the Western mind can accept it. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Um, so interesting. Um, and Francesca, maybe we can share some ways that people can raise their energy and vibration. Like I know that there's a lot of uh, ways that we learned in our program. Um, but for those who are listening, maybe they could just try some simple tools right off the bat um, in their own, in the privacy of their own home. I'm going to ask you first, Yasmin. <laughs> and yeah. I ask this to every graduate of our school. What is the most important tool that you learned in your intuition medicine toolbox? Oh, grounding without a doubt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> grounding. <laughs> grounding your body to the earth. And I've asked every uh, graduate who comes back to the school and kind of audits a class that question, and they always say grounding, the tool of grounding. <laughs> so to explain to your audience, the term grounding means your physical, emotional, energetic, mental body makes a connection to the physical earth so that it stabilizes the physical body. And, and in the connection of the physical body to the earth, 
there's some amazing transmissions that happen from the physical earth to the physical human body. And one of them is natural antioxidants are, are uh, culled within the earth itself. Mother earth, our, you know, our, our Gaia, our mother. And when you are, for example, easy thing to do, go out to a grassy area, lay down on the grass, spread your arms out, spread your legs out, and just allow the feeling of gravity to ground you to the physical earth. And in that posture, most people say they feel a shift. They feel heavier, they, their body starts to tingle, they have a sense of relaxation, um, their mind clears, their breathing slows down. And part of what is occurring is there's a upward stream of earth energy that is that has been measured. It's called the Schumann resonance. It's 7.35 hertz. So it's like a heartbeat, a heartbeat pulse that is generated from the earth. When the body is in a state of relaxation, laying on the ground, actually hugging a tree, swimming in the water, all of those things create a stronger upward surge of the Schumann resonance, the pulse of the earth into the physical body, and it transmits natural antioxidants, which slows the body down, the heartbeat, uh, lowers your blood pressure, brings in a state of relaxation. That's one of the, the occurrences that is a motivational reason that many teachers say, start with meditation in order to slow your body and your mind down, and then from that point, you can begin to understand the uh, the state of health in your body. But you must be in that state of being connected and grounded to the earth before you can proceed into self-awareness, self-healing, and a state of calm. Yes, beautiful. Yeah, grounding is just was so game-changing for me as well because I think that... Um, grounding just allows you to be in the present moment. And when you're not in the present moment, you're in the past or the future, and it's just a, a disassociative effect. And it, I think that was also something that immediately started to help me uh, be in real time and execute on different visions, different goals that I really wanted in my life because I was here right now, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, and now it's very easy for me to detect when someone is not connected to the present moment. Very, very easy. I mean, you just take one look at their eyes and they're, they're on a journey someplace else. Um, and it's a bit scary to actually see how many people are like not actually here, you know, like what's, what's going on if they're not here, right? Like what else is in control? This, uh, autopilot, um, yeah. Being out of present time locks your mind into, as you said, past and future. And when you're in past and future, then you are not operating as the, the sole navigator in your physical body. And so the, there's a diminishment of health the immunity and stability of your physical body diminishes when you are not all there, when you're not wholly occupying your physical body. And you get into a mind lock. And when you get into that mind lock, thinking in the past, thinking in the future, you're stuck in time. And when you get stuck in time, what is transmitted to your overall being 
is simply memories rather than presently what's happening. And when you're in the past or you're in the future, you can't create anything in the present. Francesca, what are some ways that people can cultivate abundance and prosperity? And I think maybe it would be great to start off by defining the word abundance. I experience abundance as self-love first and as believing in yourself, having good health, finding joy. I don't necessarily focus on abundance in a physical sense like uh, wealth or money. So mostly for me, it's kind of in the, in the ancient yogic tradition. It's a sense of well-being, a sense of knowing yourself, of understanding your path in life and being healthy. So that's my definition and my experience of abundance. So Francesca, can you tell us who inspires you? Who are the you know, greatest influences on your life? Maybe also some of the favorite books that you have or things that you could point folks to, obviously besides your, your own books. <laughs> I've been asked that question a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good question for anybody. I really, I've, I'm really inspired by my students. Uh, just a little ba uh, background on my education. I am a, um, uh, I'm an educator. My uh, first degree is in education. And I've been teaching, I started teaching when I was 27 in a Montessori classroom and then moved into uh, adult teaching university and, and of course my schools. And I have learned so much simply by being with observing my students. And I find inspiration all around me when I'm teaching. I watch people grow. I watch them shift. I watch them discover. I watch them to, to become more of who they are. And that really has been, I would have to say, my number one inspiration of uh I can't really distill it down to one person or even two people. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that even just as a student of the academy, seeing the transformations of just my class was incredibly inspiring to me. And, um, you know, seeing people with chronic illness recover and, and folks who really came out of, you know, darker places and just people who were already in a good place and just wanted to have a more happier and joyful embodied life. Um, so, and, and with that, you know, since you've been doing this for so long, Francesca, what kind of student usually comes to the academy? What is sort of the archetype or what have you seen over the years? And maybe how have you seen that change, especially the last year, the last couple of years, I feel like have been times of great growth and transition for people. And there has been, I think, more openness to the spiritual path. So yeah, I'm just curious if you have any observations on uh, what kind of student comes and then how they, how that type of student has shifted over the years. So here's the demographics. When the school was founded in 1984, I would say for about 
seven or eight years, the first seven or eight years, the students mostly, I'd say about 75% were curious people. uh, We're talking the 1980s, people who wanted to have intuitive psychic experiences or or understand all the different um, ways that they could expand their human nature. And about 25% of those students were already in the healthcare profession. Most, mostly they were body workers and uh, people who put their hands like occupational therapists on bodies. Then the next wave, the demographics changed to more professional people coming in. I would say about 30% of the demographics at that time were professional people who were in careers that were not satisfying to them. And most of those people were highly creative people, people who thought outside the box. And when they read the curriculum offered by the academy, they went, oh, that's what I want to do. And they could come into the academy and and have a trained vocational career because we are a vocation vocational career training school and they could go out into the world and they could shift from one career to another for example for whatever reason there were a lot of engineers during that time period who said i'm i'm so tired of being an engineer <laughs> i want to do something else you know very mental state and i know i, I always was an artist when i was younger i was creative and i kind of want to get back to that but i want to be able to make a living so we got a lot of people transitioning into other careers then there were uh, there was about maybe 15 20% during that time of medical doctors uh therapists um psychologists who started coming to the academy because they began to realize this was in the 90s 1990s that they had patients who they could not treat with the medicine bag that they had, and they needed to bring in more subtle energy. They needed to bring in spiritual conditions to to understand them and find ways to heal them. Um, Then we started getting referrals from medical doctors, therapists, psychiatrists, all kinds of medical doctors with patients who they could not diagnose their symptoms and they realized that there was not an organic disease going on, but their patient was still sick. So we got a lot of referrals that way. And so those students really came in to heal themselves, to find themselves. And, and some of them were, uh, were, were really not able to understand what to do with the tools until they began to really practice grounding their bodies to the earth. And I think you understand that just from your training in the academy, that until a person is in present time and grounds to the earth, at that point, a whole lot of inner discoveries come forth. So I would say the latest demographics are, we have about 50% of the student body in a holistic, holistic health practice of all ranges, and they're coming in to add to their toolbox because energy medicine and the subtle, holistic, alternative complementary medicines have more or less started to hit mainstream. And so people want to include them in their portfolio of medicines. 
We also have had uh, most recently just simply people, again, who want to change careers and then people who know that in order for health and well-being to continue in their lives and with their families, that they need to learn how to take care of themselves, how to heal themselves, to be their own best physician and healer. So people who have a lot of self-awareness that in order to be healthy, they have to take care of themselves. Mm. Wow. Super interesting. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think I I fit into one of those camps of someone who was in the corporate world and wanted a shift and, you know, felt like there was something more to my existence. So yeah, super interesting. Um, Francesca, why do you think that this subject is important and is becoming even more important? That's a big question. <laughs> I'm going to think about that for a moment here. <laughs> of course. Well, he, from my experience, I have always been at the edge of most belief systems. I'm kind of a, a, on, on the edge of the grid. So I've always surrounded myself with people who think differently, who have different paths in life, who are seeking a a similar uh, tribe that understands their spiritual needs and their energetic needs. I think that the world is now so chaotic, and I think we can all agree on this, it's more chaotic than anyone has experienced in their whole entire life, that people are seeking different ways of understanding what's going on, not only in the world, but people have had to retreat to being with themselves more, to looking inward, to spending time alone. And all of that brings on the introspective side of people and the question, why am I here? Where do I go? How can I feel better, be better? And a a lot of that has not only shifted uh, individual people, but I think the whole collective is now looking for different ways to live and to exist with grace, with peace, and with health, because the old ways aren't working in medicine, as well as in politics, as well as in whatever society, family, or tribe that you're in. The, the old ways are not working anymore. Yeah. And, and I think just uh, having a, a space of contentment um, is something that is so rare these days. Um, I was observing that, uh, especially this year in 2020, um, just how many people feel so kind of shook um, and have to start questioning themselves. And I feel like I'm like, three. <laughs> I did this like so, so many years ago. I'm like, oh, I've already been through the the unraveling and I feel pretty content. And I, and I say that actually like very non-judgmentally. I mean, I just, I think we're all on a, on a personal journey, but I think, um, you know, whether, whether we go through it in a space where it's, you know, joyful and easy versus when we really have to go through it because of we're forced into it is kind of our own choice as well. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that these are all really important points. And Francesca, what, kind of things have surprised you on this journey and have you you know seen or continue to see things that surprise you or have you kind of seen it all um, since you've been doing this for so long hmm well you know as you ask that the first thing that pops into my mind is 
and I have been doing this for a long time. Uh, I started my study on this path when I was 21. I'm 73 now. And I think what has almost always surprised me is how unwilling people are or have been have been more in the past than in the present to open up their mind to looking at alternative ways of being alive, being human, and alternative medicines. And early on, I, I had to uh, learn to talk less and listen more to those people who would get angry when they would discover what I did and what what methodologies I taught. And that 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 has always been the biggest um, kind of surprise to me that there's so many people who will never change. And that's okay. And that's not a judgment. That kind of I've observed that in a larger sense that those people, uh, whoever you are and whatever you're doing and whatever your belief system is, that's where you should be. So I don't, I don't try to evangelize what I do or to prove anything. And I'm always so surprised. This is recently that so many young people are now coming to the Academy and, and wanting to be trained in this methodology and learn about intuition and meditation and self-healing, that has been a most delightful experience in the past 10 years, where we have a children's class, we have a teen class. And now in the past year, we've had three teens. These are these are young people. They're, they're in their last year of high school. They're 17, 18, who are asking to be included in the adult training. And when they come into the classroom, they are like right now we have a 17 year old uh, young man. And in that class, the students are anywhere from like 25 to 65. And he's one of the more brilliant people in the class. Everyone respects him. He came in thinking, oh, they're going to they're not going to treat me equally because I'm so young. And no one has done that. So I'm really really happy to see all these young, brilliant people come into this type of training because I feel like I'm passing this healing wisdom on to the next generation. Mm, wow. That's amazing, Francesca. And I, I'm sure even like children might even be more open, right? Because they're not yet socially <laughs> conditioned to the, I guess, consensus reality. And so... Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, like, if you've seen children, you know, just more open to the space or less judgmental about about the space than than even some of the adults. Oh, a a absolutely. The the filters, the society filters have been have not been implanted. So the the children in our uh, small small people's class come in and they already understand the language. We don't have to sit down and decipher and break apart the language as we do with most of the adults who come into these classes, because that's their language. That's the basic natural human nature language before all the filters of society get embedded and they, they start seeing things more in a linear and a culturally accepted way and less in a spiritual organic way. So 
It's always been that way. I started off my teaching in Montessori classrooms, and all those children were all really spiritual. They would never say, oh, hi, I'm a spiritual child, or <laughs> neither would <the> parents, <laughs> but they were, because they were open to all possibilities and all realities. Wow. And uh, I think we were all like that as children. Yeah. Don't you think oh, you were? 100%. Yeah. I mean, my imagination was so wild as a child. I, you know, wish, I wish I went to the Montessori <laughs> school that you taught when I was a kid. My life would maybe be very different um, instead of taking a 10 year course correction. So, um, Francesca, what are some of the last uh, things you want to tell our listeners about their health and wellness? What would be like your main takeaway? Every day, spend five minutes sitting in a quiet space, no distractions, close your eyes, listen to your breath, follow your breath, listen to your heartbeat, move into a quiet contemplative space. Don't think about anything. And just feel who you are. Five minutes a day. And what that will give you is the internal medicine, the inner medicine to cultivate loving yourself and living in ease and grace. Very simple, very powerful. You can do it. Oh, thank you so much, Francesca. Um, and for people that want to learn more about you, uh, your book, some of your CDs, um, and also about the Academy of Intuition Medicine, I know you have an online program. So for those who are not in the Bay Area, they can they can join online. Um, can you share where they can find you and, and links to the resources? We'll all obviously include all those in our show notes as well. Our websites can be found at Intuition medicine.org. And from there, it's like the front page of a book. You'll see uh, two, uh, three schools. You'll see in, uh, the Intuition Medicine, Academy of Intuition Medicine campus, and then our global online school, which we have students from all over the world uh, in, in that school. And you can click on that. And then Energy Medicine University. Um, so intuitionmedicine.org. You'll see the books, MP3 downloads. Uh, we have lots of uh, videos there uh, of myself giving talks and uh, some of our faculty giving talks. And it'll, it's uh, it would be wonderful if you could tell your audience to just click in and link in and we'd love to connect with them. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. We will absolutely add all of the links to the show. And, you know, for those who've been listening to Gateways to Awakening, we've interviewed a lot of people who have gone through this program. So, you know, you've probably seen the name uh, quite a bit, but if you want to learn more about the program, we'll add the link. And Francesca, thank you so much for your time. I'm just so happy to have had the chance to share this knowledge and share with people what energy medicine is and how powerful it is. Um, and I know you're very busy running a lot of different programs, so I'm very appreciative of your time. Oh, you're very welcome. And you're, you're giving a lot in your podcast to those who are seeking this type of information. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you, Francesca. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about healing the body through intuitive energy medicine and cultivating abundance. 
and you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Thanks again.